We've got, uh, it's, it's kind of, it's just a special day. We got new services today, new things happening. And we've got with us a special guest who I'll invite up in just a moment. James Bryant is here today. He's the founder of Lead Different. And he is, honestly, I think he's one of the most creative leadership thinking minds in our city, doing phenomenal things, working, uh, you know, across spectrum. He's also a guy who's intimately uh, acquainted with the church and ministry context, has planted a church here in Perth, been on staff at Mosaic Church, Saddleback Church. And, and but what, what James and I now share in common is sort of like a Venn diagram. We, we didn't used to have anything in common. Because the, well, we have one thing in common. So there was one kind of event, and it was a love of the NBA, the basketball. As you guys know, I'm, I'm willing to go to no lengths to, to learn about things that will help me connect with culture. And so I, I, I familiarize myself with things like basketball. And, um, and James is similarly hardened, so he loved the NBA. But I love the, the Cleveland Cavaliers, which is sort of, if you're new here at True North, just generally speaking, that's the team most of us like here and love. And I, it just, I didn't have anything to do with it. It's just kind of the way it was. It was odd. And, um, but... But, and James is a LA Lakers fan. Do we have any Lakers fans? We got no, we got no love for the Lakers. We got a little love for the Warriors out there, but we won't talk about them. But, um, but now LeBron James, who I still love because he's from Akron, Ohio, which is also our favorite city in America here at True North. And anyway, he went to the Lakers and there's this like Venn diagram where now we share that in common. We both have an interest in the Lakers, but give him a welcome, give him a big clap. I promise he is a good guy. All right, thank you. It is wonderful to be here. It is wonderful to be a fan of the Lakers. Hey, what a great band you guys have got. Give it up for them. Look at them all walk off. Yeah, we know. <laughs> now, you guys are really fun. That's a, that was a really fun time uh, that we had just then. So, 11, uh, we're 10.45 service. Oh, man, you are my people. Like, there's, Lake, Dean, we have Lakers, like, I know you're a Laker fan now, but, uh, like, anything past 10 o'clock, you're my people, <laughs> which is actually, we're going to be talking a bit about that today. You see, I think, just like you like to sleep in and you make wise decisions to sleep in, that makes us have something in common. You see, I think as human beings, we're designed to find our tribe, to find people we have something in common with, right? See, I, I know this because i got a two-year-old and a four-year-old who have probably wrecked three or four things out there right now. <laughs> I imagine there's like numbers flashing up and I'm like, I have no idea what number my kids are, but I'm pretty sure that that's them. <laughs> so, because that didn't happen in the first service and my kids weren't here. <laughs> so, I don't know if they've been hitting other people's children. <laughs> But what I've noticed is the four-year-old and the two-year-old is watching them grow up from like babies to semi-human beings as they are now. They're not full human beings yet. Is what they love to do is they, they'll find other little semi-human beings <laughs> and they'll find them. They're like, hey, someone my size. Because my wife is like 5'11", so she's pretty tall. I'm, I'm pretty tall as well. And so when you're a tiny little human being around our house, anyone who's under six foot is short. <laughs> Um, but, but they'll find anyone who's short or anyone who's tiny, and they'll, from the earliest age, they'll go up and they'll stand next to them and they'll and then just stand there, because they're not fully human yet. They don't know how to actually say, hi, my name's Mikan. See, 
my Laker love, here's just a side note, my love for the Lakers, my boys are named after Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> my last name is Bryant. Does anyone here know a good basketball player who played for the Lakers with the last name Bryant? Kobe. We came so close to calling one of them Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> but we couldn't do it, so we went with Cody. <laughs> anyway, I don't even know why I'm talking about that. Um, do you know why? Because I can go on side directions because there's no service after this. So, yes, I don't have to finish on time. Anyway, um, <laughs> but where is it going? Oh, yeah, my two little boys. <laughs> they, uh, they, 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 they sidle up to people and they're like, and they don't know what to do, but they just know they want to be around people like them. It's their size. And you know what? If you're into dinosaurs or diggers, now you're practically siblings with my brother, with my boys. They're like, if you're into dinosaurs and diggers, you are their people. Like my four-year-old knows more about dinosaurs than most adults in this room. It is ridiculous. He, bedtime prayers. Okay, Mikan, his name's Mikan, after George Mikan, who played for the Lakers in the 1950s. Um, he changed the game. It was amazing. Anyway, so um, Mikan, what do you want to thank Jesus for? Um, the Diplodocus, Ankylosaurus, Brontosaurus, Brachiosaurus, Allosaurus. I, I've run out, but he will keep going forever. But those are his people, people who love dinosaurs too. See, you, you and I, we have DNA in us that connects us to a tribe of people too, right? Do you know, if anyone in here, last of us didn't know, but you guys are the wise people, so maybe you will. Anyone in here heard of like 23andMe or those like DNA where, yeah, see, this service. This isn't going to be played at the other service, is it? No, okay. Right, okay. <laughs> like, wait. People left the last service going, he was okay. They hear this service, that guy was a jerk. <laughs> you make up your own mind. Um, anyway, 23andMe, what you do is they send out this little like vial, you spit in it, which is great. My boys would like that. And then you send it away to some company. They analyze your saliva and they send you back this report. And they say, oh, you're 15%... Irish, 20% Italian, 30% English, or if you're like me and unbelievably boring, it's like, hey, you're a little bit Irish and mostly English. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but that's, and that's the thing where you can find this DNA connects us to people all around this, this world. And it's amazing how that happens. And it's amazing how as human beings, this is wired into us. And so a lot of people ask me, they're like, hey, so why should I become, well, not a lot of people. Every now and then, someone asks you, <laughs> a lot of people. Every now and then, says, so why should I become a Christian? I say, well, there's a lot of stuff. But one of the things that I love about when people, when we decide to become a follower of Jesus and we connect with God, is that all of a sudden, this DNA is not what defines our tribe anymore. It's not creating where we belong and who we're part of. You see, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, it says this. It's going to be up there now. Now, now they're just messing with me. Um, <laughs> there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Isn't that awesome? So this DNA, this flawed DNA that unites us sometimes divides us, sometimes is amazing and produces cool stuff in us, sometimes there's faults in it. It's not what defines us. When you follow Jesus, it's Jesus who defines you, and He is now your tribe. 
And your connection to Jesus' tribe isn't just for the here and now. Your connection to Jesus' tribe goes back to the dawn of time, to the dawn of history, when God first created human beings and he walked with them. And what's great is that our story, our, that we're living out now, we get to add to this lineage that we can. See, the Bible is not just the book of stories. The Bible is your family tree. It's your tribe's family tree. And we get to live out a continuation of, on that. And generations to come are going to look back and they're going to experience, say, hey, that tribe of true north, I'm only following Jesus because of what they did. And they're my tribe. And the cool thing is that you never even have to meet them. <laughs> but they'll be part of your tribe. And that's to be part of your family. And for a lot of us, this is a really exciting thing. Because like, yeah, more people to be around. This is great. I belong with more people. But for some of us, there's a little something weird and funky going on in us when we hear, oh, I'm connected to more family. <laughs> great. <laughs> See, how many of us have been hurt by those closest to us. Yeah? Now, I'm a big believer in non-rhetorical questions. <laughs> so most preachers ask a question and they don't want an answer. So we say, how many of us <laughs> have been hurt? Let's see hands. Let's do this. Let's be real. If this is uncomfortable for you, just wait till the end. <laughs> it's going to get super uncomfortable. <laughs> but we've all, if we're honest, we've all been hurt by those closest to us because those with the most power to hurt us are those who are closest to us. So we feel it more. And so when this idea of like, oh, another tribe to be part of, great, comes in, it can create an awkwardness. And so how do we create a tribe where we actually enjoy being part of this? And it's, it's pretty simple. We're a tribe that is for one another. You see, the greatest virus that can come in and destroy a tribe is the virus of me. Like, I don't know if I can be for them right now because i got my own stuff going on, so I'm just going to take care of this, and I'm not going to be for anyone else, so I'm just going to be over in the corner over here. It's pretty soon walls are flying up. And even though Jesus has connected us to one another, and even though we're part of his tribe now, we might be sitting around people. It's like that thanks, ah, here we go, American story. Thanksgiving dinners in America <laughs> can be amazing because all family comes around to be together and then have dinner together. And it always ends up with people fighting. <laughs> and there's walls that are springing up. My wife's American, so yeah, <laughs> it's fun. Oh, actually, we've got a couple of Americans in here tonight. It's fun. Actually, there's Belinda back there. Hi, Belinda. I've, you, Belinda Ochiang, she's a wonderful woman. I knew her when she was a wonderful girl. <laughs> uh, yeah, you were, I was at Lakeside when you became a Christian, huh? Yeah, that was fun. I was a youth pastor for a while. Um, this is great. The first service, there was someone else who was. A, anyway, whatever. Let's keep going. So what if we can discover a way that we're for one another? See, oftentimes when we're going through something, whether it's amazing, whether we're getting a promotion at work, we're like, yeah, this is awesome. The only people we know are the people immediately to our left or right. Literally, as we sit there, the people who are f like blood family so, or spouses or whatever, they're the only people who know. And sometimes when we're going through hell and life's really hard and we just want to break down and weep, the only people who know are the people to our left and right. But what if we were a tribe where the people five rows behind us and ten seats to the left 
new. And when stuff was going awesome for you, they were like, heck yeah, that's awesome, I'm pumped for you. And when stuff starts going wrong, they pulled up beside you and said, I'm with you. We can do this. Let's keep going. What if we could be that kind of tribe? What if we could celebrate with each other, weep with each other, go through the crisis together, support one another? There's, a ver- there's a, two verses in Hebrews, which to me, the very fiber of my being describes what it means for me to be in this part of kind of this tribe. So it's in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, and it's this. And let us hold unwaveringly to the hope that we confess. For the one who made the promise is trustworthy. And let us take thought of how to spur one another to love and good works. A couple of words I want to point out. First one is one that always trips me up because it's a bit bit weird. Unwaveringly. Unwaveringly. That's that's an interesting word. Unwaveringly. What what does that mean? Give me something. Yeah, don't move from the path. Unmovable. Unshakable. You keep going. Let us hold unwaveringly. Told you it was going to get me. Unwaveringly to the hope that we confess. So why do we hold unwaveringly to this hope? Because unwavering is a strong word. And it's this, because sometimes life beats us up. And sometimes life beats the hope out of you. And sometimes life beats the faith out of you. And what do we do in those moments? We borrow the faith and the hope from those next to us. We borrow the faith and the hope from those behind us and in front of us. And that is why we hold unwaveringly. It's not just for me. It's for the people next to you, the people behind you, the people in front of you. Sometimes we gotta borrow their faith, their hope. You see, here's a dirty little secret. Even preachers, they waver sometimes. (laughs) and their hope and their faith. I remember when I was pastoring uh, Mosaic Church, and I gave a sermon, and it was amazing. Just kidding, I don't know if it was good or not, but I gave a sermon, <laughs> and uh, I got down, and I remember the first things when I got down off the stage, I was like, do I even believe that? I was like, Arr. and this lady comes up to me. <laughs> Here's the fun thing. She wasn't even a Christian. <laughs> and she comes up to me, and she says to me, that was awesome, and I don't know what I believe yet, whether this whole Jesus thing is true, but I know I love who I am when I'm around you guys. Oh, I do believe that. I borrowed from the faith of someone who didn't yet believe in Jesus. (laughs) And that's the power that we hold within us. Life beats us up, but we get to borrow faith from each other. And then verse 24 is this. Let's get it back up. Yeah, they did it. And let us take thought of how to spur one another onto love and good works. Love and good works. You see, what I love about this is after we're borrowing faith and hope off each other and we're unwavering, is that we're told then to spur one another on to love and good works. So together we've got to do this, figure out this good works thing, which means together we're going to talk about and you guys are going to share what are some good works? What's your idea of good works? And this is, once again, I'm going to ban, because what happens is the first row, when I ask for feedback, the first row carries everyone. And it's like this, 
Yeah, so you guys, for just a minute, you're going to have to hold your tongue, which is a no is going to be hard for some of you. But what are some ideas, what are some good works that we as a tribe can be doing for each other? Love it. Praying for one another. Second back row. Look at you. (laughs) (laughs) Encouragement. Love it. Being here to support. Yeah, just being here. That's brilliant. What else have we got? Yes! Who said that? I'll give you my address. <laughs> oh, you don't want my cooking, I promise you. <laughs> when, my, when my wife and I had, had our kids, there was people who came around us and cooked us a whole bunch of meals, and oh my goodness, it was amazing. So I, the person I met in the hello time, yeah, down here, there's something growing here, right? Yeah, it's one of those risky things as a guy. Like, uh. Yeah, so I remember, and I was I th- up until the baby was born, I was like, we're going to be fine, it's not going to change anything. And then like... The first 18 months. <laughs> so stuff like that is huge when people are going through something, a celebration, but they still need support. What else? Cooking. I love food, as you can tell. Anyway. Listen. Listen's a great way to each other. I love that. What else have we got? All right, front row, you're in the game now. <laughs> front row? <laughs> Bueller, Bueller. <laughs> All right, let's move on. So here's the thing. I, I love the movies uh, Lord of the Rings. And so this, the Greek for this word works. Um, it actually, I really like it because it, it, it fits in with my love for, for uh, uh, Lord of the Rings. Because the Greek word is Aragon, <laughs> which is Aragon, right? You guys know Lord of the Rings? Yeah, yeah, which is the awesome Return of the King. Ha <laughs> ha, stab people, whatever. Anyway, Aragon which means the word works. It actually means what someone does for their employment. Huh. That's a little twist, isn't it? So spur one another on towards love and becoming exceptional at what you do for work. Wouldn't that be amazing to be part of a tribe that cared more than, well, didn't just care about Sundays, but what we're doing during the week what we're engaging with, how we meet people, how we engage with people. So spur one another towards love and becoming good teachers, good sales reps, good businessmen, good engineers, good painters, plumbers, technicians, doctors, accountants, council workers, nurses, parents, parents, that's a job. Wouldn't it be amazing if that's the kind of tribe that we were? A tribe which is more than just, oh, how do you do on Sunday? No, how are you showing up to work? Can we pray for you to get a promotion? What about if you were to lead a larger team so you can have greater influence in your sphere? Yeah, that's a tribe. And that's what we're talking about here. But how much, because for me, when I read that, I was like, oh, Because I realized the tribe, this spiritual tribe that we're part of that supersedes our DNA and all our other tribes, I would show up to it and I put zero or next to zero thought into thinking about how can I spur these people on to becoming extraordinary at what they do. Which is interesting because then I left the ministry and I started Lead Different, which is all about helping people become extraordinary at what they do. (laughs) So how do we push one another to become better? 
Has anyone in here ever done a triathlon? Anyone? Triathlon? Man, look at you masochists. <laughs> so it's front row, I'm going to pick on you. You're up for it, you're in the front row. How, which kind of triathlon? Was it one of the ultra marathon triathlons or was it like a shorter one? Olympic distance, what's that? Yeah, okay. See, that, I, that was my limit as well. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> so it's, it's a long way. These triathlons. In high school, actually, I was quite good because the whole point of triathlons is endurance. And you don't want to be carrying excess weight. And this is me as a 39-year-old. <laughs> so imagine what this was as a high schooler. <laughs> People prayed for me lots. <laughs> I remember someone said, oh, you're going to get arrested for vagrancy because you, no, you have no visible means of support. Thanks, <laughs> mum. <laughs> but it wasn't really my mum. She's lovely. <laughs> but there's these triathlons that happen. They're called the uh, Ironman triathlons. Anyone ever seen these? It's a 10-kilometer open water swim. Done. I'm out already. Forget that. <laughs> 10 kilometers. But then you get out of that swim, and you don't have a break. You don't have a cup of tea or anything, whatever. You just... You get straight on a bike and you ride for 160 kilometers. Why? Who thought of this? <laughs> then, once you're done with the bike ride, you're like, cool, that was great. I'm going to run a whole marathon. And that's the way you finish up the race. These are ultra Ironman triathlons. And the best part is they do them on the lava fields of Hawaii where the ambient air temperature is about 45 degrees Celsius. Why not? But these people are masochists and they've got a really high threshold for pain, which is why I never went on to that level. The threshold of pain is way lower for me. But, so, the reason I'm telling you this is because my cousin, he's much smarter than me, and he designed this software, which is amazing for tracking, like, athletes as they do these triathlons. And so, he designed this software, which means he goes out to all these races, he gets paid a lot of money, and uh, what happens is that it tracks the, each athlete, because, remember, these races, some people, it takes them like 14 hours. That's like the quick people. And some people, it takes like 24 hours. And that's the average person. So there's a massive distance. So everyone needs their timing tracked along the whole way. And so what he, I said to him, I was like, man, doesn't that get boring? And that's like you're waiting for people to run past every now and then. That's like test match level of boring. Are you with me, Dean? <laughs> the Venn diagram grows. <laughs> it's like paint drying. Like, and he's like, no, you don't understand, James. What happens at these events is that volunteers put them on. And by volunteers, people who pay a ton of money to fly to Hawaii, life's really rough, but they fly to Hawaii or wherever the, the event is being held, and they then pay their own accommodation, all those kind of things, and they help set up the race course and the event. But then what they do is they... They watch the race, mainly because there's a lot of ex-athletes or people who are family of athletes or people who just care about it. They decide to stick around and watch the race, race, but they don't watch the race alone. They print out. They get these big old printouts, and the printouts are of all the numbers. And what they do is as the athletes are running by, as the athletes are coming by, they see them approaching, and they'll see number 64, that's uh, Dean Grotzinger. Huh, why is he doing this? Um, <laughs> the, whatever. But then as they see him running, they'll be like, hey, Dean, you're doing great. You're 150 kilometers into your 160-kilometer bike ride. woo <laughs> But they'll actually, for real, go nuts cheering for them, using their name. Go, Dean. You're amazing, Dean. You're extraordinary. 
And then in the, further along in the race, so we in the marathon section, they'd be like, hey, Riley, keep going, man. Keep going. You got this. Then when they're swimming, they don't do anything because they're in the water. But for the other parts, they're lying the whole course and they're cheering specifically with their numbers. And I was like, oh, that sounds fun. And he goes, no, James, you don't get it. You see, people are at the end of a 160-kilometer ride and they're 20 kilometers into a marathon run and they're dying. Their legs are shaking. They can barely see. And looking at them, you can see everything in them wants to quit in that moment. And when four or five people begin to yell their name, go, Michelle, you got this, Michelle, keep going. He said, you've never seen anything like it. It's all of a sudden people are stumbling. You don't know how they're going to take another step. Some are falling over. But when that encouragement hits, it's like a light turns on. And they're a new person. And they go on to finish that race. And you know there isn't a possible, no way possible they could have done that without the encouragement. When people fall over, it's nothing but, get up, you got this, you can do this, don't quit, keep going. And they do this. And I know that for these athletes, they're not, a lot of them aren't professional athletes. Their life is full of a bunch of other stuff. They're married, they have places that they work, they might have siblings, they might have children. This little race is one of the smallest things in their life. Yet, for most of these people, the one area they get encouragement is on this inconsequential race. Because the race, let's face it, does anyone in here know the name of a single Ironman triathlete? You know you're never supposed to ask a question that you don't know the answer to? <laughs> that was that moment, like, well, I would ask that question. Someone might know. <laughs> but these people in their lives, they're carrying huge burdens and no one's saying anything. For some of us in our lives, we carry huge burdens and we got stuff going on. We're out of a job. Our relationships suffering. We're lonely. We're sick. And we're just dying. And our knees are wobbling. And we feel like quitting. And we just want someone to come in and encourage us. There's a verse in Hebrews 3, and it's this. It's going to be on the screen. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Encourage one another daily. It makes sense as long as it's called today. That's just the writer being facetious. Um, that's what I love about the Hebrew culture. It's super sarcastic. Um, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Now this little phrase, sin's deceitfulness, that's a bit I want to key in on. Not just because it's sin's deceitfulness. Sin's deceitfulness. What does it mean to me? Here's what it means. For a lot of us, when we're at our best, when we're functioning on all cylinders, sin isn't that attractive. But when we're tired, exhausted, worn out, feeling beaten up, some decisions that we would normally never make begin to become 
attractive and feel like they make sense. See, I've worked with a lot of people from a lot of different walks of life. And a lot of people have made decisions that they regret. And just about all of them have done it when they're in places, when their knees are wobbling, their eyes are looking dead, and they just want to quit. Sometimes the quit is the mistake. And so why do we do this together as a tribe? It's because when we're sick of fighting, when we're sick of doing this, and we're tired, and we feel like we've got nothing left in us, someone can come alongside us, and their encouragement is the very reason that we don't quit. And the great news is, is that within you, every single one of you, you have the ability to be the reason someone doesn't make a life-destroying decision. You hold it within you by simply being that cheer squad. You got this, Dean. You got this, Riley. Get up. Keep going. Come on. You got this. I believe in you. But for a lot of us, because we're Australian, we do nothing with this power that we hold within us. Oh, you know, I didn't see it done. You know, my family wasn't very good at encouragement. Is a common thing that I hear. Cool, I don't care. Uh, for a lot of us, it's like, oh, tall poppy syndrome. Oh, yeah, we're, we're part of Australia. We believe in the tall poppy syndrome, which is, ugh, I hate. Do you hate it too, Dean? Yeah, the Venn diagram grows. Um, but this tall poppy syndrome, you know, in Australia, we don't want them to get a big head. I don't care. You're holding within you something that could change their life forever. You might just be scared. Oh, what if they think I'm weird? I don't care. You hold within you a power to change someone's life. You might be lazy. I still don't care. <laughs> within you is the power to, hold, to change someone's future. And you might look at them and you might be a little bit judgmental and you say, well, what they're carrying isn't that big anyway. I don't need to say anything. I'm carrying something way heavier. I don't care. <laughs> you within you are holding the ability to change their life and the course of their life forever. I'm going to give you an opportunity soon to not care too. <laughs> you see, I love basketball. I love it. This has been established. My dad's the uh, chaplain for the Perth Wildcats, which means I get free tickets to all the games, which is really fun because the Wildcats do a lot of winning, so they're a fun team to support. Um, <laughs> but... What I've noticed is when the games get tough and we're into overtime, double overtime, and the players are exhausted. When you're in a stadium of 14,000 people who all have your back, there's something that's very, very real. And it's this, home court advantage. Not a familiarity with the rims, because all the rims are the same. They're all 10 feet. Every measurement on the court is exactly the same. But there's 14,000 rabid fans in there saying... You got this. We got you. We love you. Go. And more often than not, the home team wins. But you know what? Who cares about the Perth Wildcats? I'm a massive fan, but their games are inconsequential. What we're doing in our lives day to day, that matters. That's the real stuff. And how many of us are going through stuff and we're feeling ready to quit? 
I'm betting there's more than a few people in here. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to go nuts. Pretend we're 14,000 people cheering for others. And just like at the Perth Wildcats when people are like, going nuts and can't control themselves. That's what we're going to do. I promised you it was going to get awkward. It's going to get awkward. Because the other part of it is that I'm going to ask different people who might be going through different things to stand up so that we can stay seated but go nuts for them. Are we in? Can we do that? Yeah. All right, so let's do this. Now, some of the things I mentioned, there may be no one in here in the room going through that. That's fine. But that's fine. You might say, oh, that's awkward. He mentioned something and there's no one to that. Who cares? <laughs> it's kind of my motto. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do is I'm going to mention things. And if it's you or someone that you know of and you want to stand on their behalf, I'd love it if you could stand so that we can go nuts. So the first group of people, because I'm married, my wife's great, and we parent together, and it's amazing. One thing I've realized is the people, group of people who, I don't know how they do what they do, single parents. If you are a single parent, stand up so that we can go nuts for you. Yeah! Yeah! Stay standing, stay standing. All right. All right. Yeah. Grab a seat. What I want you to know, we're with you guys. We're with you. What about people from, on the family thing, what about people from blended families? Where it's like divorces have come in and co-parenting and like stepkids and all that kind of stuff. Because one thing I don't know, because that's part of my extended families, that's a big part of it. That can be a rough road. If there are people in here where blended family describes the current situation that you're in, let's, we'd love you to stand so we can go nuts and support you in that. Anyone? There we go, yeah! Yeah! We're with you guys. We're with you. Now you guys are loud, but I know we can get louder. I know we can get louder. So is there anyone in here, because they're a really important part of our society, that they do a ton of stuff and they're off doing stuff that we don't want to do. Teachers. <laughs> are there any teachers in here? Have a stand right now. Let's go nuts for our teachers. Yeah. What you guys are doing, <laughs> I don't want to do. <laughs> what about people in here who you might be looking for work or unemployed or underemployed? You know what underemployed means? Where you've got a job but it pays terrible. So Riley, wherever he is, youth pastor. <laughs> underemployed. <laughs> we hardly know each other, but we're friends. So, what, but if, what if that's you, if that's serious, you're like, I'm out of work and I don't have enough finances and I don't know how we're going to get through the next couple of months. Or if you're like, we're not earning enough money, we have less coming in that's going out, I don't know how to, do, 
We'd love it if you could stand right now so that we can get behind you and let you know we're with you. If that's you, stand up so we can go nuts for you. Yeah! There's got to be people in here who've come to Australia on their own and they have no family support network around them. And there are moments when you just feel alone. If that's any people who describes you, where you might have moved, maybe you moved from Sydney or whatever, but people who are in this church and you, there's no real family support networks around you and sometimes you just feel a little bit alone. Let's get you guys standing up now. constantly, chronic illness or cancer, people have got a chronic thing going on, they're just, it's pain all the time, and the rest of us don't get to see it, well, we'd like to know about your pain so that we can encourage you and support you, so if that describes you, maybe there's no one here who is that, but if that describes you, I'd love it if you could stand up now so that we can support you, yeah! and they're so underappreciated. Let's get the grandparents to stand up. If you're a grandparent, stand up. Let's give it up for the grandparents. Yeah. I love grandparents. It's such an underappreciated role. All right. Let's go, uh, one last one, let's go. Let's go nurses. Are there any nurses in the room? Nurses are like the gift of God straight onto this earth. Are there any nurses who go underappreciated? Let's get nurses to stand up. There we go. Yes. Oh, I love it. All right, people, this is Tribe. Welcome to what it means to be a tribe for one another. This is now your DNA. This is who you belong to. I want to take a moment to just pray and thank God for His tribe that He's given us. Father, thank You so much for inviting us into Your tribe and then giving us an opportunity to be tribe to one another and to encourage one another. Thank you for every single person in this room for the, the way that they have an ability in them to encourage one another. For the moments when we've abdicated that opportunity, God, we ask for forgiveness. And for the time going forward, give us eyes to looking and scanning for opportunities to be tribe to one another. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for what you're doing in this community. Thank you for every person in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Can we thank James for that message? Give him a clap, you know, we give him a big clap, man. You are doing awesome. And I can speak for many, I'm so grateful for you. So grateful for what you're doing. I gotta tell you, I love, uh, I love being around this guy. Whenever I'm around him, I feel more inspired about life and all kinds of things. And I, I feel so today, and I hope you feel it as well, just inspired afresh of what a church can be. You know, I hope you feel that.